The Start. On Demand. demand. Hey, it's Brett. It's the Monday edition of the podcast for The Start with Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Well, McNabb is back on Tuesday. Today, we are going to talk about Justin Trudeau referring to the President of the United States as Donald. Also, we're going to talk about speeding tickets and the dumb things we did behind the wheel as teenagers after an 18-year-old got tagged for doing 174 in a 100 zone and got a $1,000 ticket. Baby, it's cold outside. Might not be a Christmas-specific song, but it's recognized as one of the all-time Christmas classic songs. But a Cleveland radio station has pulled the song citing concerns over the Me Too movement. Is it a creepy song? Should it be pulled? Or should we relax? What do you think? Phil the Freightliner was a tremendous success over the weekend in support of Silo Mission. So many Winnipeggers stepped up in a big way to help out Freightliner Manitoba deliver a monumental package for Silo Mission, so we'll get details on that from the president of Freightliner Manitoba. We're going to meet a person working in mental health in Winnipeg. They've just launched a new initiative, a new team to deal with peer support and education for family members who are having to experience the hardships of mental wellness issues. And we're going to learn about holiday halitosis and how to avoid it with the Bad Breath Doctor. So what happened with the Canadian and American leaders of the world? Well, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau urged U.S. President Donald Trump to drop his steel and aluminium tariffs. Yes, I was listening to Drax overnight, so I'm evoking and a little bit of Drax this morning on Canadian imports. That was Friday at the signing of the United States-Mexico-Canada Trade Agreement, the USMCA. That was in Argentina at the G20 Summit. Or UMSCA, as I think we once said. (laughs) The Prime Minister did not refer to the deal as USMCA. Instead, he (laughs) called it New NAFTA. That's not the only unusual term he uttered. There is more hard work ahead to build resilient, strong economies that support families everywhere in Canada. As I discussed with President Trump a few days ago, the recent plant closures by General Motors, which affects thousands of Canadian and American workers and their families, are a heavy blow. Make no mistake, we will stand up for our workers and fight for their families and their communities. And Donald, it's all the more reason why we need to keep working to remove the tariffs on steel and aluminum between our countries. Did you catch the last part of the sentence there? Yeah. Apparently Donald Trump does not like being called by his first name. Trump has occasionally used Trudeau's first name, derisively when criticizing him at campaign rallies or, of course, on Twitter. He slammed, quote, Justin in a series of tweets over the summer after Trudeau vowed to stand firm on Canada's dairy supply management system in a speech at the G7 summit. Many have seen the prime minister's first name references throwing the president some genuine shade. Many on Twitter com- complimenting the PM for using a classic passive aggressive style in trying to get under the skin of the American president. Well, good for Trudeau for, for standing up and letting Donald Trump let, let him know that, hey, 
we're not uh, going to back down just because you like to scream a little bit louder than us. So that's good. But it, and it's also just kind of funny because the look on Trump's face and when the watching the video and you can watch the video, uh, we've, we've linked it to the 680 CJOB Instagram if you want to see the clip. But the camera is trained just on Justin Trudeau as he is speaking. And then as soon as he says Donald, they immediately start to zoom back out so we can see the look on Donald Trump's face. And of course, it was not particularly a happy look. So I'd love to know what was going through his head when he said that. Maybe it was something along the lines of Dave Dickinson from Calgary Stampeders. Uh, yeah, yeah. Expletive Canadians. <laughs> Canadian mafia of some sort. Yes, of course, that is uh, uh, one of the highlights from the past weekend and at the uh, G20. One of our listeners uh, just uh, texted in. He also slighted every oil worker in Canada by insinuating they are a scourge on the towns they work in when they're away from home. And... We don't have the audio on that uh, handy, but that is uh, also a source of uh, consternation and uh, back and forth. Andrew Shear, who is in Winnipeg, the leader of the Canadian Progressive Conservative Party, is in town. And he tweeted out last night that he wasn't uh, very impressed with uh, the fact that Trudeau had said what he said in respect to oil workers and construction workers. I have to say, I read... The Twitter thread beneath Shear's comments, and they were very divided because there were a lot of people that said, uh, apparently this gentleman doesn't get out after dark and doesn't get to small town Canada. There were a lot of stories and a lot of individuals saying, hey, my experience has been exactly what the prime minister cited in Argentina with regards to some of the challenges, some of the socioeconomic and the social challenges in small towns across Western Canada when construction workers come to town, miners, anything where there's transient work camps, that sort of thing. Uh, it does change the demographics of a community dramatically, quickly, and very slanted uh, towards a predominantly male male population. If you've ever been to a bar in Alberta after dark and you encounter guys that have been unsuccessful uh, unsuccessful in quote unquote picking up win women, they want to fight you. Mm-hmm. I experienced it for years, not only in Alberta but in the Okanagan as well. Really, absolutely. I. Remember now, uh, I went to the bar, it was the Oak, as we called it. It was Bullwinkles at the time at Canadins Transcona. Formerly the Golden Oak Inn, which is why people call it the Oak. Still call it, I think they still call it the Oak. It's they now do. Nashville. Lovingly yeah. call it the yeah. Oak, affectionately. Just, where are you going? You're going to the Oak. Like, for example, when it was uh, Mirror's Pub Club at the A, no one, even, I, then, you know, I'm from Transcona, but when we went out on Mondays, where are you going? We're going to the A. It wasn't, we were not going to mirrors. Anyway, and I remember was in the washroom and you know how guys get into their chats when they've had a few beers and they're at the, <laughs> they're at the urinal and this guy, he just starts talking to me about, I think, how did he put it? Snap or scrap? And that essentially, that's what he, that's what he came to the bar looking for, as he put it. And he wanted, and if he couldn't succeed in one, then he was going to look for a scrap. So that's kind of what these, I guess that's just a thing that happens with a lot of guys, right? If they can't get one, then they're going to take it, take out their frustration in another one. I'm not going to generalize. All I'm going to say is that is the experience that a lot of people were putting out on social media. And I can say from personal experience that that is 
something I'm very aware of in small town Manitoba and also, like I said, in Alberta and in the Okanagan over the years. Did anybody ever try to pick a fight with you? Well, absolutely they did. Did you ever get in a fight? No, because I had a I had a very sound, what I thought was a very sound strategy. I would go up to them and I would whisper in their ear and I would say, you're sure you know more people in this room than I do. Really? Yeah. Did you always know more people than them? Not always, but that was the way I went. And there would typically be silence and probably some counting in one's head. And I would suggest that um, of all the guys that I'm here with, I'm the smallest one. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that usually, well, it did for 20 years keep me out of getting in a fight. Can I just quickly, I got to tell you a quick story on that subject. I was another at another Canadian's bar when I was a younger lad at Scandals. And we, that's, uh, that's, was on Pemina. It's not there anymore. The whole hotel's gone, but we were there with some friends and, uh, my buddies, this girl named Cheryl, she it was her birthday and she was out on the dance floor and she was dancing rather sexy with some guy. We didn't know whatever, nothing bad was happening. They were just dancing. It was her birthday. She was having fun. But one of my buddies took umbrage with this and he went and got right in this guy's face and basically he said, you better not mess around with her uh, because she's my friend. Well, he picked, he picked the wrong guy to do that to because this guy did know everyone in the bar. Oh boy. And they circled us. There were like 50 guys and we, we needed to get the bouncers. We, told, we got them involved. They kicked all these guys out, but they didn't... They didn't leave the bar. They waited inside the hall that sort of, you go out the first exit, there's a hall, and then oh, you yeah. have, and they waited. We needed to get escorted to our car by security, and then they chased us halfway through the city. It was oh, crazy. Oh, my so, word. Yeah, so I, I am Memories. intimately familiar with that particular strategy, Greg, <laughs> and I was almost on the receiving end as a victim. Not good. Mackling, McGarry... Moore is here, Kelly Moore, Jeff Fortier, McNabb is back tomorrow on 680 CJOB, and the headline at CJOB.com reads as follows, Manitoba RCMP dings teenage driver with $1,000 plus speeding fine, and there's a picture from the RCMP of the speed that was captured, 174 kilometers an hour. This is in the rural municipality of Westlake Gladstone. They clocked a 1999 Malibu going 174 in a 100 zone on Friday afternoon. So the 18-year-old driver of that vehicle now faces a fine of $1,019 and a license review with Manitoba Public Insurance. And that got me thinking of some of the dumb things I did as a teenager behind the wheel and uh, certainly not proud of them. But uh, just wondered what sort of dumb things you've done, and I'll tell my story in a moment. But Kelly Moore, huh. you're you know you're one of the most organized people I know, responsible people I know. But I'd like to think at some point maybe mm. I made some mistakes. Guilty, guilty, and guilty. <laughs> Let's hear it. I wasn't always this way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this. I, I had a 1964 Pontiac Strato Chief, so there was no way that old sucker could get to 174 kilometers an hour. But uh, there was one time, it was uh, the summer of our grad, and uh, we had been having a few pops, and we decided that we weren't that bad into the pops, but... 
we decided we were going to go to this remote area down where I lived in the Fraser Valley, and it was this winding gravel road and, uh, and, and camp out for the night type of thing. While the guy ahead of me, I'm racing to catch up to him. Unbeknownst to me, he's pulled over. And so I go roaring by. And so I'm trying to go faster and faster to catch up. I totaled my best friend's mom's car. Oh, my God. Totaled it. Thank goodness nobody got seriously hurt. But uh, that was uh, it, it was at that point where my dad uh, took me aside and said, how long does grad celebration last? Because I think the party's over. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Did yeah. you get hurt? Uh, and the worst part of it was I was best man at a wedding. That This happened on a Wednesday, and, and I think on the Saturday, had a broken cheekbone and an eye that was out to... It was puffed out forever. Wow. So, yeah, so it, it, that was about as dumb as it gets. And uh, the, like I say, I had someone looking over me and the two people that were in the car with me. So you didn't feel the strength of the arm of the law, but uh, law in your house said, uh, Kelly? The, the, the law came out, uh, there, and, and there was, like, we had had a, a, a case of beer in the back seat. It was not opened. But through the course of the accident, it got smashed all over the place. But no, no, no. We like the law came. Like, like I say, we'd had a couple of pops, but by no means were we inebriated. But we were. But I was being incredibly stupid. Well, you know, and it just goes to show, uh, a that you can make mistakes and recover nicely into yes. a wonderful human being. But that. You know, everybody has stupid stuff. Everybody Every, does. All of us have done that. Stupid yes. stuff. And that's, you know, it's probably more important than ever to have these conversations with our kids and to show our kids what other people do. I think other people employ the different strategy of just like, don't talk about it. It won't happen. And yeah. I might give my kids ideas. Guess what? They're getting ideas yeah. between YouTube and other websites on the internet. They're getting all the ideas they need. It's yeah. critical to talk to them about this and say, you might have to admit the fact that you'd done some stupid things and got very, very yeah. lucky. That, that could have, yeah. Lucky is the keyword that could have ended so horribly. Forte, you ever made any bad choices behind the wheel? Um, I've been pretty tamed for most of my driving not career, but <laughs> now how long I've had my Most license. of it. For most of it, yes. Um, but like when I was uh, interning out in Flin Flon, uh, driving back home, I had a heavy foot. I, oh, I was speeding. I wasn't going, how how fast was uh, 174. this? 174. Yeah, I was not going that fast, but uh, I definitely, if I got pulled over, I would have had a great ticket. It would have been very expensive. Like what time, what are we talking here for oh, speed? So going over 140. Over 140? Over 140. Wow. Yeah. What kind of car? Oh, my little Cobalt. I drove a, drove a uh, little 2009 uh, Chevy Cobalt. Ah, yes, that's right. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, the fastest, I remember the, the, the dumbest thing I did uh, when my parents' Pontiac 6000, the Cis Mille, as we called it. I was on Dougald Road or Highway 15, however you want to call it. I was coming, I was out of town and I was driving back into the city. And I pushed that thing to 165. Wow. Up to 165. Like the car was shaking. It was getting to the point where I had the, the pedal down to the metal and the it would just gradually, when it got to like 160, it would creep up to 161 and then 162. I just wanted to see how fast I could get it to go. And uh, once I, I slowed down, I didn't get caught, didn't get pulled over for speeding, didn't crash the car, nothing like that. I just thought, what are you doing, man? Well, the dumbest mm. thing I ever did was actually coming home from a social in Oak Bank, so it involves Highway 15 as well. Yeah. And a couple buddies got a little loud-mouthed, 
And so we had to get them out of there. And I had a 19, still have it, 1972 MGB convertible that I had driven out with my buddy Leo. We drove back into the city with five guys in that car. Wow. And that was really dumb because the top was down. And so you know where they were sitting. Yeah. They were sitting on the bonnet. Mm. And uh, not the smartest decision ever, uh, but it was a critical time. Critical choices were made. In a moment, we're going to tell you which classic Christmas carol has been yanked by a Cleveland radio station and why. But before we do that, we want to start by acknowledging some of the great text messages, Greg, that we have received this morning at 204-780-6868. Yeah, we played for you the audio attached to the apology from the owners of Stella's. Kathy says, everyone I know that works in the restaurant industry says, this atmosphere is par for the course. Speaking, of course, of the uh, sexual uh, harassment allegations and other forms of uh, physical and... uh, Uh, mental abuse taking place in that organization. I am pleased that Stella stepped up. Let's hope the other restaurants take a cue from this. And I, I, I tend to agree with Kathy. I, I'm hoping that this is a wake up call for the entire restaurant industry and other organizations, other businesses in our community to realize that things are happening underneath their noses, that they are either willfully ignoring or are horribly unaware of. We're also getting a lot of text messages as well uh, from listeners regarding conversation we had last hour about this teenager, this 18-year-old who got nailed with a $1,000 speeding ticket for doing 174 in a 100. And uh, we made some of our own confessions. And our listeners are confessing as well. One of our listeners, his name Tim, says, uh, biggest speeding ticket, 116 kilometers an hour, in a 30-kilometer-an-hour zone on a Sunday before Sunday shopping in the Unicity parking lot, says the old bus lane was a perfect uh, one-eighth-mile drag strip, but the police knew this also. It was about 500 bucks back in 1985. you got to imagine that'd be closer to 1500 maybe even $2,000 at this point. Wouldn't want to know. Yeah, definitely. I'm not curious to find out the hard way. Nope, nope, thank you. (laughs) If you know, you can share that with us, 204-780-6868. And another listener making a comment on the new lids. If you stop at the... At the Timmy's for your coffee or your tea this morning, and it might not be in all locations because I know where I stopped today, they still had the normal flat lids, but all the Timmy's are transitioning to something called a dome lid, something that I've been requesting for a couple of years now, and to mix reviews, I would suggest. And in fact, this listener saying that, I'm getting t-shirts made, dome my stadium, not my coffee. Well... Some people do not like those lids at all. And like I say, it may be all my fault that they're transitioning to these dome lids because I request it every single time. I find you don't spill nearly as much as you do with those tradition traditional sort of rip open, flip open lids. I, I find them very messy. So a Winnipeg radio, or no, Winnipeg radio station, a Cleveland radio station, uh, and I suppose you can draw comparisons between Winnipeg and Cleveland, so perhaps that's where that mistake <laughs> came from. But radio station in Cleveland, what's happening there, Greg? Yeah, they are um, 
They're uh, removing uh, Christmas Standard from their playlist. Uh, I'll just read it like this. Station WDOK. Christmas 102.1. Yank the song after fielding a call from a concerned listener who suggested the song was inappropriate in this day and age. And the name of that song? Baby, It's Cold Outside. Take a listen. There is more hard work ahead to build. That was Justin Trudeau. So that is not the clip. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure maybe he can sing the song. But in the meantime, Forte, perhaps uh, you you could dig that out. But we also have some of the lyrics. This is a song from 19, from the 1940s, Baby, It's Cold Outside. And it's a duet, right? It's a duet. Oh, here we go. I found it. Here okay. we go. Here's, here's some of that audio. And this is a modern version of it here. I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. I gotta go away. Baby, it's cold outside. This evening has been I'm hoping that you dropped so in. very nice. I'll hold your hands that just like So this version is from Adina Menzel. Did I, did I say that right, Mr. Travolta? Adele Dazim. <laughs> and Michael Bublé, of course, the popular Canadian crooner. And this, now that this has been brought to my attention, this video that they made for this song, all the more disturbing because it's too... Very young, I wouldn't even say teenagers, pre-teens dancing in a hotel. Okay. And so when you examine the lyrics and the reason for this Cleveland station pulling this song, I was really creeped out watching the video. So what are the lyrics then that uh, caught your attention as you took a closer look at this? Well, how about this? How about this? My mother will start to worry. That's the in the female voice. Beautiful, what's your hurry in male voice? Uh, I'll do the female voice on this one. You can do the female voice. Father will be pacing the floor. Listen to the fireplace roar. So really, I'd better scurry. Beautiful, please don't hurry. Maybe just a half a drink more. Put some records on while I pour. I ought to say no, no, no. Mind if I move in closer? (laughs) (laughs) At least I'm going to say that I tried. What's the sense in hurting my pride? I really can't stay. Baby, don't hold out. Uh, But it's cold outside. I guess we were both supposed to do that part. I think so. Whatever. That's fine. Kind of creepy? (sighs) I, I, I have two minds on this. And I have heard this conversation before that... Baby, It's Cold Outside is a creepy song and that it doesn't belong anymore. But the, as, I, as I sort of look at this, I kind of think, well, this is what, isn't this the courting process, right? Where, am I, like, am I wrong in that? And that he is, he's trying to seduce, it sounds like he's trying to seduce this woman and she's debating whether or not she wants to stay. Yeah, seducing, you could use that word, or coercing Yeah, would be the word that comes to my mind, okay. and using alcohol to do so, yeah. essentially preventing her in a gentle fashion. Uh, it goes on to say that, you know, there are no cabs. Yeah. So, you know, you might as well just stay. Let's have a drink and kind of see where this is going to go. Okay. I know where this is going to go. I know where I want it to go, and... 
God, I hope you want it to go that way too. Well, we're going to make that our question of the day momentarily here at cjob.com. Question of the day brought to you by Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. So we'll get that up on our website right away. And the question will be, do you agree with a Cleveland radio station for pulling Baby It's Cold Outside? Yes, the lyrics are no longer appropriate for 2018. Or no, give me a break. It's a Christmas classic. So you can log on to cjob.com. We will have that up for you momentarily. Ken Talbot, president of Freightliner Manitoba, joining us live on 680 CJOB this morning. Ken Talbot, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Doing very well. You must be on cloud nine after the success of Saturday's Fill the Freightliner event at Boston Pizza on Keniston. It was fantastic. We had an incredible Winnipegger turnout, and, uh, and uh, I mean, the counts, everything went higher. We're just... Uh, Actually, at Freightliner right now, getting ready to leave. We're going to go scale the trucks so we can tell how much freight we have going down. We know what they weighed empty. We're going to figure out what they weigh full. And uh, we'll be able to report into everybody how much we have. And then the cash total, I'm sure you've heard, went way above expectations. So we're thrilled. What was the cash total? Over $40,000. Fantastic. And Ken, I couldn't help but notice, I don't think it's a slip of the tongue. I believe you used plural for Freightliner, Freightliners, more, meaning more than one. We have two extremely full trucks. We actually have to follow the one um, with a pickup truck over to the Redonda warehouse location for the silo mission because we don't have room in the back of it for a pallet jack. <laughs> Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's that full. <laughs> Fantastic. Just incredible uh, what you're doing here for Silo Mission. And this was the third one. What? Uh, where, yep. did the, where did Phil the Freightliner, like how did that come to be? It came to be uh, Steve Dubois and Joe Allo and myself. We had a lunch one day at Earl's and Joe bought. I'm going to point that out right away. Stevie the sales guy didn't. It was funny. Bit of a joke, but... <laughs> He's our sales we, manager here. Stevie the sales guy, yeah. <laughs> he, he held her tight. And we had uh, a great lunch. <laughs> we had a great lunch. We drew it out on a cocktail napkin, and uh, and we just decided that, you know, this is something we can do, and we think we can uh, we can make a difference. And uh, we've just been, been doing it ever since. Uh, I mean, you on air guys and, and girls just bring the people in and... And we uh, we load the freight and we'll deliver it today and make everybody proud. We'll be thrilled and we love doing it. We yep. Love doing it. We're just the conduit, Ken. Your message is so powerful. You just need a forum to exhibit and broadcast it. So we're more than happy to be involved from from that point of view. Uh, but for all that that you know, you'll say that we do and that we'll say that you do. Without the response from Manitobans, it, it doesn't really matter. It'd just be a bunch of us hanging out at Boston Pizza for a Saturday afternoon. You're absolutely right about that. We have to thank Winnipeg in a huge way because she rose up again and uh, we had people from all walks of life, all angles of the province and the city and they showed up and, and, you know, if it wasn't people just driving by rolling down their windows saying here, you know, make sure you give this to the people inside or, you know, I can't get out of my car because I got a broken leg. I had one of those on the weekend. But she said, there's a whole bunch of stuff in the passenger seat. Can you guys unload it? And, oh, man, it, it was just everybody, and it was fantastic. And the, and the Freightliner family was there in, in droves. We had, 
way more volunteers than I than I thought we were gonna. But I was really proud of everybody, and everybody stuck it out right to the end, and we loaded her solid to the back doors. And your industry, your industry, uh, your you know, people oh. in your industry stepped up in a big way too, right? In a big way, yeah. We had um, we started on Friday. We went. We got a call from Bison Transport. They said, "Come on by." We have some pallets, and we actually ended up going and picking up about six pallets of food and toiletries and things like that. And uh, then it just continued to spiral up from there, and we had more and more and more of our customers showing up with cash. I really pushed hard on the cash this year with, uh, you know, in our in our Freightliner social media. And right up until the very end, our customers showed up with checks and credit cards and cash, and, and um, I'm really, really proud of the trucking industry as a whole. Well, your yeah, everybody did a great job. Well, your whole family, your extended family, got to meet your mom and dad on Saturday, oh, and yeah. which was fantastic, Ken. And thanks to everyone at Freightliner, your extended family, and of course Andrew Shevchuk and the family at at uh, Boston Pizza. An incredible day and incredible effort by you and Manitobans. Thanks so much for this. Congratulations, and uh, shall we do it again next year? Oh, we're on, man. Freightliner is absolutely in. Everybody, all the Freightliner family were standing outside on Saturday, you know, kind of just figuring out how we were all going to go home and warm up. But uh, everybody said, we're in. Next year, put me on the list, coach. Put me on the list. It'll be great. So we're in. All right, Ken Talbot, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Congratulations once again on a successful Fill the Freightliner event at Boston Pizza Keniston. Freightliner Manitoba is the organization spearheading this initiative. We are proud to be a part of it, 680 CJOB. Uh, Greg and I stopped by. Kelly Moore was broadcasting on site alongside Jeff Courier and then Richard and Julie from the News. Philly Joe and Kirby were there from Power 97, Bubba, or Sam and Bubba from Peggy at 99.1. And uh, we, of course, thank all the winners peggers who stopped by to contribute and make a donation for silo mission they were looking for winter outer wear as well as non-perishable food and cash Mackley McGarry and McNabb on 680 CJOB. McNabb is back tomorrow. And one of our friends at the Canadian Mental Health Association reached out to us recently and said, hey, I've got somebody interesting that I think you should talk to. So we said, okay, we like A, interesting people, and B, we love talking about mental wellness issues. So Robin Priest is her name. She is here live in studio, the co-creator of Robin Priest Living Your Truth, the website robinpriest.com. She's a mental health and peer support education and works with a strategy firm. And she joins us live. Robin, good morning to you. G'day. How's it going? Doing very well. How are you? Good, thanks. I just realized you can tell I'm an Aussie because oh, I went g'day. Immediately, g'day right there. That is a dead giveaway. Wonderful to have you in studio. Wonderful to have you in our community and, and part of the, the network of individuals, some great people who are doing their best to, to help folks who are suffering with, with mental unwellness. Do we, do we have to apologize for talking about this anymore? I think are we just about past that where we can have this discussion without any qualification? Um, I'm hoping so. I, I mean, I think there's still a lot of stigma and discrimination out there, but I think um, we're really starting to get a handle on talking about mental wellness and well-being instead of talking about people's illnesses. But like, what do we do to have people have great lives instead of oh my gosh, there's all these things going wrong. Because I think for a long time, and Brett, uh, maybe you'll disagree with me on this, but it feels as though a lot of the conversations that we have about mental health 
issues have to do with how you react to them as opposed to being proactive and being mentally more well? I, I think that's absolutely the biggest thing we can start looking at. Like life happens to us, right? And different people um, deal with things in a different way. And I think the important thing, the thing that we're really focusing on in the company is actually there's some really cool things about having some of these um, issues occur in our life. And it's about what are the ways that we can utilise things for like amazingness, there's things that I've done. I have my own diagnosed bipolar disorder. Don't take medication anymore. I've worked out really cool ways to live. I work in 10 different countries. And if I didn't have a diagnosis and I wasn't considered a little crazy, I wouldn't have that experience. So, Are we allowed to use that word? Well, I can because it's me. You can't use it about me, though. I Come can't on. use it about you. Okay, got it. Yeah, I can use it about myself. That's fair. We will not refer to you as such. Uh, so with this, you mentioned 10, 10 countries. Yeah. You work in 10 countries. Yeah. Is Winnipeg home? Um, Winnipeg is is home at the moment. As long as I get my next work permit, I'll certainly be staying here. I love it. Where love it here. I know. People go, why Winnipeg? And I go, because the people are cool. The environment's cool. I actually like the um, weather. I know. You know. Well, but, on the subject of the weather, though, that can be hard for people's mental health, right? Because it gets so cold, you're cooped up for months on end. I know usually by about February, I'm sort of scratching at the walls, trying just desperate to get out and do something. Well, I think the weather does have an impact, and it's the way that people start to look at different wellness tools and different things work for other people. Um, but, I, I mean, thinking about, I lived in Alaska for a while, and the hardest time for me was when it was light 24-7 because I actually couldn't sleep, whereas some of my other friends had issues in the darkness. And so I think it's about working out what works for you and and connecting with different people in the community. And so I think that's one of the things that we want to focus on is how do we support people to connect to different components of the community. Is this what we call uh, peer support? Is that where that comes in? The peer support is about people who've had their own experience of living with a mental health issue, Supporting each other. You can have completely different conversations with people who have lived through that kind of thing. And there's also peer support for families, which I think is really important. Families being able to talk to other families who've been supporting people because you have slightly different issues and it's really important to be able to like talk about those things. So when you're, if you are a family member or if you have a family member who is dealing with an issue like this, um, how much of a, is it, I don't know if the word I'm looking for is trickle-down effect, but if someone is dealing with something like, say, depression, um, and it's a, it's a long sort of standing thing, you want to offer support, but you don't really know how, can that kind of lead to depression issues for the family members as well? I absolutely think it can have an impact on families. That's why I think it's really important to actually do a lot of self-care for yourself because you actually can't support someone if you're kind of going into that place yourself. And part of um, some of the things we're looking at doing is some workshops for families about how to actually take care of themselves as well. 
My mom had uh, severe bipolar disorder, and it wasn't diagnosed until very late in her life. So in the therapy that I've had subsequent, I always say that I inherited it one way or another, either by nature or by nurture. And I and I think that happens, that when you are, if you have a parent or mm-hmm. someone who's a primary caregiver in your life who's dealing with these things, they are your mentor and and role model in a lot of ways, and you might be getting bad habits with them, whether you have a, an actual uh, mental health issue or mental illness yourself. Um, I would probably agree with that. My dad had undiagnosed bipolar disorder for a long time, and for a while after I, you know, had some interesting times, I was like, well, have I just learnt that behaviour? And I think there's some things we learn, there's some things that are really about having the diagnosis itself. And I think for me, I don't care about a diagnosis. What I care about is, are things working well in my life? If they're not working well, what are the ways I can actually support myself to have a different life? So when I talk about peer support to families or individuals, I say, who cares about a diagnosis? Because even similar diagnoses have differences in different people. So if someone comes and says, hey, you know, I've got depression, I go, what does that actually look like for you? And let's talk about, like, what are you going to do to, like, get through that? Because people are really resilient. We forget to tap into the resiliency that people have. That's the piece for me that's really important. Robin Priest is the co-creator of Robin Priest Living Your Truth. RobinPriest.com is the website, mental health and peer support education and strategy firm. And we have just scratched the surface and Robin will have to have you back uh, for a longer discussion. Thank you so much for the visit. Great to meet you. Thanks. Christmas with the holidays comes, well, we're all going to be eating tons. We're going to be very festive, trying some different beverages and what have you. And then maybe some mistletoe. Well, the Bad Breath Doctor is here to give you some tips on how to succeed in that front. Dr. Katz, Dr. Harold Katz joining us live this morning. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Doing very well. Doing very well. So you've got... Excellent. Five fabulous tips here to make gift giving and receiving a sweet smelling experience. So I guess, first of all, as I think about all the stuff that we, in terms of traditions for Christmas and the holidays, is there one particular, or what are, I guess, what are some of the, the main food items that can lead to the worst halitosis? Well, the different categories are alcohol. Uh, unfortunately, uh, wine and champagne and Anything with alcohol in it is going to make your mouth dry. And once your mouth becomes dry, you lose your natural ability to keep your breath fresh because you no longer have enough saliva. Saliva keeps our breath fresh. That's why uh, babies who drool always smell fantastic. There's oxygen uh, in saliva, and that protects against the bacteria which produce the foul smells uh, that we smell uh, from people who come in our face. So that's a problem. Uh, Sugar's a problem. Sugar feeds all types of bacteria. And dairy proteins are a problem. They're easily converted uh, into like the rotten egg smell and the sour milk smell. So uh, I know it's still morning over there in Winnipeg. I don't want to turn anyone off. 
but there there are solutions. So uh, the tips that we give, number one tip is always keep your mouth as moist as possible. You need to drink plenty of water. People just don't drink enough water. And uh, the more moist your mouth, the fresher your breath is going to be. So is that is, is that plain and simply the number one piece of advice you can give us in keeping our our breath clean? And what would be if that's number one? What's number two? Well, okay, well that that that's that's a real basic one. Number two, people make the mistake to use very strong mouthwashes and toothpaste, thinking that those uh, the minty the minty smell is going to cover up the bad breath, and that's not true at all. Many of the commercial mouthwashes have tons of alcohol in them. Uh, the leading mouthwash is seven, is 25% alcohol. Uh, that's more than a whole six-pack of beer. And trust me, a six-pack of beer will not freshen your breath. I've done that research as well. So uh, what you need to look for are mouthwashes, uh, which have no alcohol in them, and toothpaste, which have no detergent. I'm not aware of this, but one of the ingredients in almost all toothpaste is something called sodium lauryl sulfate. Uh, that's a fancy term for soap. There's actually soap in your toothpaste to make it foam up, but soap is a drying agent as well, and that's the last thing you want. So look for toothpaste, which have no detergents um, as well. Uh, the other thing is you want to make sure that you keep your tongue as clean as possible. Uh, the bacteria that cause bad breath live in the nooks and crannies of the fibers that make up your tongue. Your, your tongue is more or less like those uh, shag carpets of the 70s. Is that mine's not avocado green? So that's where the bugs live. You need to clean them up by gently brushing your tongue. And obviously, you want to floss, get rid of the food particles in between your teeth. And you want to avoid certain foods which are notorious for giving you bad breath. Number one bad breath food in the holiday time is eggnog. Uh, It's got dairy. It's got sugar. And everyone sticks a whole bunch of alcohol in it so it doesn't taste like eggnog. It tastes like something else. So uh, avoid the eggnog and you'll be very kissable under the mistletoe. I've always found it very interesting that eggnog is popular because of what you do to make it not taste like eggnog. That's very eloquently put, <laughs> Dr. Katz. Yeah, nobody wants to, nobody wants to drink eggnog at eggnog time. They want some thick, sweet, syrupy thing to drink and then uh, then forget about it by sticking a whole bunch of booze in there. But there are other foods that are problems. Marshmallows are a problem. Milk chocolates are a problem. If you're going to eat a, a, a Santa, Make sure the Santa is dark chocolate. Dark chocolate is uh, is not so bad on your breath. We've actually created a line of products called TheraBreath, and they're available at Shoppers and Walmart and Rexall. And what's unique about them is they do not have any alcohol. Uh, the toothpaste has no detergent. And we even have a new line now for people that suffer with dry mouth. We have uh, mouth wetting lozenges and uh, an oral rinse for dry mouth. So that, that tends to be a, a, a problem, especially when people heat the houses too hot. Uh, the mouth gets all dry, and then uh, you're off to the races with bad breath. Nobody wants to give or receive a holiday gift that causes stinky breath. A holiday gift. Yeah, that's right. Dr. Harold Katz is the bad breath doctor, and he joins us live on 680 CJOB. And Dr. Katz, one of the questions I wanted to ask you here is how do I, how do I know if I have bad breath? Well, basically, you cannot smell your own breath. People are deceived by uh, sucking on candy canes around the holiday time 
thinking they're going to smell like a candy cane, uh, but smell and taste are two different things. So the taste gives you no idea. Uh, I'm sure you've seen in movies and TV where that nerdy fellow cups his hand and blows into it before a date. That's a great way to smell your hand. But the correct way to smell your breath is you lick the back of your hand, uh, let that dry for a few seconds, and take a whiff of that. And the reason that works is the nasty bacteria that producing chemicals, one is called cadaverine, another is called putrescine. Once the liquid evaporates from the back of your hand, you can actually smell those weird chemicals on the back of your hand if you do indeed have bad breath. Well, Dr. Katz, the last time you were in Winnipeg, you were in studio with us, and, and it would probably, yes. based on the fact that you met us, wouldn't surprise you to know that we both have just licked the back of our hand. <laughs> but, but, but I hope you lick your, you lick your own hands, right? Uh, yes. Yes, yes. We want that okay, very, okay. very clear. Uh, so, you know, in, in this overall sense, and we just got a couple minutes here, um, is it rude to have bad breath? Like, it, it's kind of a, a, a should be a, a social no-no, right? Well, it's a natural phenomenon. We all wake up with that sort of funk in our in our breath because we don't produce saliva when we sleep, so we have morning breath. So people are aware of that. People are aware if you have onions and garlic, you're going to have, uh, you know, a sort of an unpleasant odor. Uh, the problem is when people have bad breath throughout the day, when you uh, show up at work in the morning, you would think that you're not going to show up with bad breath, but indeed that millions of people do. Uh, a third of the population has bad breath at one time or another. Uh, what we're trying to do here is inform people who may not be aware of it. We have something called the Telefriend Program. Uh, if you go to our website, uh, therabreathcanada.com, uh, there's a link at the top of the page. It's called the Virtual Breath Mint. Click on that. You give me the offender's email address, and anonymously, I will uh, let them. Uh, I will inform them about some of the causes of bad breath, such as medications or uh, dairy foods or large tonsils. So we're not out to uh, embarrass anyone. We just want to ed- educate people. Large tonsils cause bad breath. Yes, there's a condition called tonsil stones. I'm sure some of your listeners will understand when you uh, get these large clumps uh, that sort of look like food particles stuck inside the tonsils, and people try to cough them out or pick them out. They're called tonsil stones, and it's an accumulation of mucus and bacteria uh, that uh, only grow in the large nooks and crannies of tonsils. And today, less and less people are having their tonsils removed, so it's becoming a growing phenomenon. We actually have a website, tonsilstones.com. If people aren't sure if they have it or not, they can go to the website and they'll definitely know if they have them. But we actually have a kit on the website available uh, that will dissolve those without needing any surgery or anything complicated. Just uh, use the products in the kit and um, out go the tonsil stones. Well, we have about a minute left here, but one final question uh, pertains to dentures. Uh, People who wear dentures, are they at more of a risk of having bad breath? Oh, definitely. In fact, uh, the most famous... uh, Bad Breath Hollywood star happened to be Clark Gable, and he had dentures. Uh, supposedly, Vivian Lee did not want to kiss him during filming of Gone with the Wind, and he had no teeth. He said dentures. Dentures are very porous. They're made up of acrylic or plastic, so they pick up all sorts of odors. Uh, what we tell people who are dentures and they're concerned about their breath, when they soak them at night, take a cap full of the TheraBreath rinse, uh, put it in your denture soak, and it will absorb those odors instantly, and you wake up in the morning. Uh, and your mouth will be fresh because there's no more odors available. Dr. Katz, you're one of our favorite guests. You've uh, reinforced it again this morning. We appreciate it very much. 
Oh, and by the way, you guys smell fantastic. Oh, how did you know? Uh, I could tell. Uh, I could tell over the phone lines. Right, right. Yeah, make sure uh, people. Be- yeah, people know you can get the TheraBreath at uh, Walmart. I know they're one of your sponsors and shoppers at Rexall and Amazon as well. All right, Dr. Harold Katz, thank you very much. We may have cheated as well before we did the test because we each had a TheraBreath mint during the commercial break, the dry mouth lozenge they are. I love these things, man. We can't keep these things in the newsroom when we have them. Yeah, when these show up, they're the hottest ticket in the building. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.